When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on Barca Talk. The FCB first team was rested and in full force to face Rayo Vallecano in La Liga and came back for the win after Rayo scored early. Lionel Messi is returning to international duty for Argentina. FC Barcelona B played Villarreal B in Segunda B, and several B team players got first team caps in the Supercopa de Catalunya, losing the trophy to Girona in a 1 0 defeat. First up, a little bit of news. Ernesto Valverde deflected in response to questions about the future of Ivan Rakitic in his press conference ahead of the Rayo Vallecano match, saying, I'm not thinking about whether Rakitic is here or not next season, not him or anybody else. Valverde has a clear preference for the Croatian international in his lineups, but the pending arrival of Ajax star Frankie de Jong next season has raised questions about Rakitic. He's still on contract through the next two seasons, and he has said that he wants to stay at Barcelona, while also making it clear that he would like to have his current deal sweetened, if not extended. Speaking of transfers from Ajax, Matthias de Ligt is back in the headlines after the Dutch side knocked Real Madrid out of the Champions League. Barcelona president Josep Bartomeu was asked about de Ligt on Ser Catalunya Radio, and he admitted nothing more than that de Ligt is on the table. Ramon Planas, Barcelona's assistant technical secretary, was spotted along with longtime scout Bojan Kirkic Sr. at the Bernabeu for the Champions League match, presumably to monitor de Jong and de Ligt's performances. At only 19 years old, de Ligt is garnering a lot of interest from bigger clubs, and for those imagining him at Barcelona, he seems a strong candidate to replace Gerard Piquet in the future. Germany boss Jogi Love is making moves with the future in mind, Sport reported that Love has already spoken personally to the Bayern Munich trio of Mats Hummels, Jerome Boateng, and Thomas Müller to let them know that he won't be calling them up anymore for international duty. This signals that Love is pushing for a shift from one generation to the next, and Barcelona's Marc-Andre Ter Stegen might also benefit from this. In a recent press conference, Love praised Ter Stegen as well as their current captain and number one, Andre Neuer, but said that Ter Stegen would have opportunities in the Euro 2020 qualifications. Lionel Messi will play for Argentina in their upcoming friendlies against Venezuela and Morocco later this month. After a disappointing World Cup last summer, many feared that Messi had finally had it and hung up his international boots. The Albiceleste have gone without Messi in the last eight months, playing six games without him. The friendlies will be played relatively nearby in Madrid and Tangier, so Barcelona fans worried about a jet-lagged Messi coming back from international duty can take comfort in that. More on that in a moment. 
Hello and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York. And joining me as always is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barca (laughs) brother from another mother. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. We just, this is our, this is take two of the day because we had some hard drive. I had some hard drive issues and technological issues that I had to sort out. So we're, this is the second time we're going through some of this uh, for us. Just the first minutes though, but I'm okay. Everything's fine. And this is going to be another great episode of Barca Talk, I am sure. How are Absolutely. you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Serenity now, Brian. Serenity yes. Now, right know? now. Right. <laughs> right now. <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. You know, I can't complain. Um, you know, uh, Real Madrid is out of their Champions League, so there will be a new Champions League champion. For sure. Uh, you know, that's going on here in Madrid. That's been the obviously the biggest talking point that they they accomplished the triplete, you know, but obviously the wrong type, you know. So, yeah, the anti-triplete. The anti-triplete. So, of course, as a Kule, you know, as I uh, talked um, earlier with some friends and you as well, um, you know, we are over the moon about this as a Kule, right? Because we like seeing our rivals in chaos. So it's, it's a lot of fun uh, from that point of view. So that's what's going on here in Madrid. Right, and it's been a good week overall for us because we got a nice win on Saturday at Arroyo Vallecano. Um, well, was it nice or not? We'll talk about that more later. But we did get the win. We got the three points. We're still on top of the table. And bonus, Real Madrid is done for the season. I mean, they mathematically, they have hopes of uh, doing better in the league, but it, sure. it's very unlikely that they'll that they'll mount a, a real comeback in the league, especially with just these losses. They, it seems like they're in a, a bit of disarray. You know, Solari is probably not, uh, not going to last much longer there. Sure. Maybe the remainder of the season. So the biggest thing here too, Brian is, you know, they don't have any competitions for six months, which is crazy. Wow. What? Yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Because not till next September, October, what you know, to fight for to essentially you know? oh to fight for right yeah to right. fight for sorry to fight for right yes. so um the other thing too is you know with the team that they have you know a lot of players know that they're going to be gone next season so how hard are they going to fight for fourth place champions league for a team that they're not going to be on next year well it all i mean your own individual performance still is important because let's say you're looking at leaving you know, you want to make sure that you're looking good to wherever you're going. Sure. But I mean, it, it's it's just psychology with this, right? I mean, they're, they're, this is the earliest they've been out of competitions. And, you know, that's basically the talking point here in Madrid is that, you know, how difficult is it going to be for them to get that fourth spot? I mean, there could be a possibility that they, you know, uh, you know, some of the players just don't perform as well as they do. Yeah. And now I'm running through a scenario in my head where, Real Madrid is in the Europa League next year. Yeah, exactly. How great would that be? That would be amazing. I mean, it's. I'm, I'm telling you, Brian, it's not that far-fetched because I'm telling you there is a lot of chaos going on in that locker room, especially with the divide that's going on with the veterans, especially the veterans that haven't gotten playing time, like Isco, Marcelo, uh, especially Tony Cruz, who didn't look that good as we talked about him, Mr. Uninterested, you know, in the Classicos. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then obviously Sergio Ramos calling out the players that aren't playing. So, again... Like I said, Brian, I think it's a definite situation that's happening. And again, I couldn't be happier as a Barca fan seeing this because, you know, they're going to bring back Mourinho. They just don't have any solutions right now. And, you know, they have about three months where nothing is, you know, they're not fighting for anything, which is very rare for them. Right. Well, I guess the only thing they are fighting for is to try and secure that Champions League spot. So 
you know, you can always make goals for yourself. Sure. That's, that's always an option. Yeah. But the this one news item that uh, we mentioned at the top of the show, we wanted to talk about a little bit more, the fact that Leo Messi is going to return. He, he will ride again in the Argentina jersey uh, coming up later this month. Yeah, it's crazy because I definitely thought it was over, you know, for sure, just with the past experiences he had, especially in the World Cup, the way he's been treated by the AFA and, you know, just the past tournaments that he's had with them. I think he, I thought he was over, but, you know, keeps calling him, you know, he still <laughs> wants to get that big trophy, you know, with Argentina. And I totally understand that. So, you know, hopefully this season, the Copa de America, I hope, I really hope that Argentina gets to the final and that he can actually win a big trophy with the team. So that kind of talk of Maradona or Messi kind of dies down, you know, obviously my feelings about Maradona and I think, you know, I think this is a good thing, um, but also I don't want him to get overexhausted during the summer as well. So it's kind of a double-edged sword for me. Right. Well, and also apparently the AFA had begged him to come back. Yeah, essentially they, you know, they definitely want him to come back, right? And and now with this new coaching change, obviously with the debacle that was in the World Cup, they had this big kind of um, organization shakeup. And so that was the last keystone to bring Messi back in and basically to have this coach instilled that Messi likes. And again, this kind of goes back to the same thing that's kind of what's happening with Barca. It's almost they give Messi too much power and they try to appease him so much that sometimes you lose focus of the overall team success and performances. So it's interesting to see what the formation that they're going to put in, in Argentina. And of course, Messi is going to be doing the same type of playmaking and all over the field that he does for Barca, that he does for Argentina. And I would even say more for Argentina. Yeah. Well, you would expect that, but also they have been playing a number of games without him. Uh, and I assume that's with the, uh, the new manager Scaloni. Yep. So I would hope that they're going to work him into whatever they've been developing there rather than, you know, the minute he shows up, suddenly everything's out the window and now it's just give the ball to Messi and everything will be fine. You know, that kind of denial that we've seen in action so many times with both Barcelona and Argentina. I think it really comes down to the striker. So whoever that striker is for Argentina, if it's a, if it's like Carly, for example, not Iguain, someone that is clinical up front. I think that will definitely help their run in the Copa de America because, you know, Messi's going to play, make, and make those passes, and those guys will be able to do that, but it's the finishing that's been the problem from other players that's denied them from the Copa de America final, the World Cup final, and hopefully we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm interested to see how Icardi does with the Argentina national team and Messi because I haven't seen that really pair up that often, but that'll be an interesting dynamic as well. But I think it really just comes down to the the number nine or the striker that they have up top. Yeah, and that's that's always going to be that's always going to be the thing. And in in these upcoming friendlies, Aguero is out. It doesn't mean that he would be out for Copa America necessarily, but he's not been called up for these a uh, couple of friendlies that Messi definitely will be playing it well he's called up and i you assume that he'll be playing i mean you don't you don't call up leo messi to sit on the bench sure sure <laughs> but the other thing with arguero he's a great striker right and he works well with messi but the problem with him in the argentina national team is consistency he's always knocked up injured and he doesn't play a lot of games in a row you know, and that's part of the problem with the the chemistry that they've had, especially in the World Cup. I mean, Aguero has some great goals, but he just sometimes cannot play all those matches in a row. 
And I think that's going to happen too, especially the long season. You know, he plays in the Premier League. He gets knocked a lot, and we'll see what happens this summer. I mean, I'm going to be pulling for them to win the Copa de America because I'm such a big Messi fan. I think that would be, you know, that's the last thing that's kind of holding him back to being one of the ultimate greatest in the debate talk, you know, is to win that international trophy for Argentina. Yeah, it's not enough to deliver for club. You need some some country as well. Exactly. It's kind of a shame. I mean, it's such a shame. It's it will if he doesn't win at least one pretty good trophy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a World Cup, although you know, World Cup would be nice. Yeah. But you know, a Copa America, something like this, just to give him a little bit of that that country credibility in history. Because if he doesn't, he could go down as sort of one of the greatest players, but maybe who didn't achieve in this particular area as as much as you would have expected. But, you know, with for me, it always comes back to the fact that it's a team sport and you can't put everything on one person, no matter how great they are. I mean, he wins so much with Barcelona. And yes, a lot of times he's the one who's leading that charge and he's keeping a team afloat at times. But if you're going to win major trophies, you got to have the other 10 guys at, at minimum doing more and helping in the effort. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But you know how the pundits are, you know, they, they always put Pele and Maradona up higher because they won the world cup. And just like you said, I totally agree. It's a team sport, but again, because they were the best players of their era and they won those competitions, they get placed higher. I think it's obviously a different era now. I just think that with champions league and La Liga is just far superior competition than what Maradona or Pele uh, faced it's a no-brainer that Messi, to me, is the greatest player of all time. But again, you know, Messi has brought them to the final, you know. But again, if we dissect those games, you know, like, for example, in the World Cup final, Iguain misses a chance in, in regular time that could have won them the, the World Cup. And then in Copa de America, you know, Messi missed a penalty kick and the team just kind of uh, crumbled in that, in that pressure moment kind of a thing. And Chile won. And so, you know, he's been to the finals. So it's he's been so close, but he just him and, and the team have been unable to finish that. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> as we've mentioned uh, several times now, we will be in Barcelona for the Atletico match on April uh, 6th. The date and time have actually been confirmed now, finally, and we'll be at the game. And the day after the game, Gabriel and I will be putting on our first ever Barca Talk live show. So, if you're coming on that trip, we hope to see you at the uh, the live show on Sunday, April 7th. If you're not coming on the trip, but you're going to be in Barcelona that weekend, we hope to see you on Sunday, April 7th. Uh, we're, we've secured a venue. So we're going to be doing this uh, event at 3 p.m. Barcelona time at the Red Garter in Barcelona. Very exciting. Yeah, it is very exciting. We we got the everything locked up because finally they announced the, the time and the day. So it is Saturday night. It's going to be a partida. So it's eight 45 local time, which is awesome. I always love the nighttime game. It'll have that uh, feeling, especially we'll be able to get to the stadium beforehand and enjoy the festivities. But again, it's going to be so much fun we're going to have the live show and then we'll have like our kind of after party hangout uh, with everyone that's there. So that'll be a lot of fun as well. Yes, and I was uh, just speaking with Max earlier today, Max Bluer, our Barca B correspondent, and uh, he and he invited Megan and I, and I'm sure he'll extend the invite to you. I don't know if he has yet, but uh, they've invited us to uh, go to do an evening visit to uh, Sagrada Familia 
Sunday evening. So other people who are coming to the live show, you're not invited to that. But of course, you know, <laughs> you, you can go if you want. I'm, I'm not extending that out to everybody else. I'm just uh, I'm just saying that we're going to do the live show. We're going to have a little bit of party. And then I'm going to go to one of my favorite places on the planet. Unless I go out of Familia. So that's good. I'm excited about that, too. It'll be nice to see it in the evening with the, the light coming in and at that time of day. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I told you before, we're 27 days away. We get to – I get to jump in your arms essentially, <laughs> huge style. So <laughs> You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about this. Like when I finally see Gabriel in real life, like are we going to hug? Of what? course. <laughs> we're going to hug. Okay, good. Bro- brother's got a hug. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I wasn't sure like how professional it would be. <laughs> Hello, know, good to, nice to finally meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, shake hands. Yes. No, no, come on, man. First of all, first of all, we're Barca brothers. Second of all, we've been doing this thing. This has been our baby for a long time now. So come on. Yeah. Yes. Brothers got a hug. Brothers got a hug. Brothers got a hug for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, speaking of brothers and sisters from other mothers and misters, uh, we have uh, we have someone to bestow upon the guard the Barzatok guard of honor today uh this week we're recognizing kenya who's been a supporter of the show on patreon for a year now speaking of how long we've been doing this coincidentally kenya lives not far from the house that i lived in as a young boy down in uh, southern california so this is just a, a small display of gratitude thank you kenya for your continuing support you're a part of what makes this podcast happen and you can help make it happen, too. You should support the podcast through Patreon. Just $3 a month will get you a private feed for the show that you can set up in most podcast apps. And the episodes in that feed are free of the few commercials that we do have. And you'll also get our Thursday bonus episode in that feed at the $6 a month level or higher. And any other bonus material we put on directly onto the Patreon page. Each tier of support comes with some amount of Barca Talk merchandise. And we have a link to Patreon in the show notes, but if that link isn't working, just go to barsatalk.net, click on support the show to link through to Patreon. The first team, and I am using air quotes there, had a match last week, midweek, that generally went under the radar. It was the Catalan Super Cup, a modest one-game tournament organized by the Catalan Football Federation played between the two best Catalan clubs in the previous year's league table. Since 2014, when this format was introduced, the game has always pitted Barcelona against Espanyol. But last year, Girona finished one spot higher than Espanyol, making this their first appearance in the Super Cup. And Barcelona lost 1-0 to Girona after Stuani scored on a penalty kick given up by the Barca B midfielder Alex Collado. Most of the primary starters in Valverde's squad were given some extra rest, while 12 B-team players were called up for the match, though not all of them played. The odd man out, the 13th notable choice, was Jean-Claire Todibo, who's been given the number 6 in the first team, but who has yet to play any minutes in what you might call a proper first-team match. He's 19 years old and seems to have all the promise you'd hope for, so you might expect to find him playing for Barca B. There's just one problem. His contract is with the first team, so he can't play for the B team. So there he was in the Catalan Super Cup, playing in the Busquets central midfield role rather than the central defending role he was signed up to play. You wouldn't have guessed it, though, from watching him play. He looked as intelligent on and off the ball and as incisive with his forward passes as any promising pivot. Apart from Todibo, 
The lineup was a lot like those you see in the early rounds of Copa del Rey. Four B-team players, some secondary first-team players. We had Malcolm, Murillo, Alenia, Boateng, and at least one first-team starter to sort of babysit the rest of the guys. Umtiti got babysitting duty for this one, and Sillison was in goal. So that adds some extra supervision. Carlos Alenia probably had the best chances to score. In the 75th minute, he took a shot with his head that bounced off the crossbar, and he had a couple other good chances as well, but couldn't get it in the net. In terms of chemistry, though, he was probably the most well-situated and comfortable player, being familiar with all of the B-team players from earlier on in the season while he was still getting minutes with the B-team, and the first-team players who he's getting to know much better now. Now, Barca B proper did have a game in Segunda B on Sunday against Villarreal B and won the week before against Ontinient. Here now with a report on both of those is our Barca B correspondent, Max Bluer. Without doubt, the biggest news of the last couple of weeks has been that Barca B have actually won a game. The 3-0 victory over Ontinient was the boys' first win in five and only second in ten matches. The game started off at a frantic pace, but was all over by midway through the first half. In the tenth minute... Left-back Juan Miranda put in a low, hard cross that an Antonien defender was only able to divert into his own net. And barely a minute later, Juan was at it again with a pass to Alex Collado, who stuck it home at the near post from the edge of the box. And the left-back rounded off a man-of-the-match performance in the 23rd minute when he tapped into an open net at a set-piece to add his first goal of the season to his two assists. A few minutes before that, Iñaki Peña had guessed the right way to save a penalty after a pretty ropey decision from the ref. Possibly out of sympathy to an Antignan that Barcelona were absolutely murdering. The second half was a procession, with Antignan never seriously able to make a game of it. We did, though, at least get to see another exhibition in midfield by Ricky Puig, while Sam McGain also got a start in midfield. The week after, Barcelona travelled 180 miles down the coast to face Villarreal B in a crucial clash, as Garcia Pimienta's boys fight for a playoff place. Despite another strong performance, Barcelona succumbed to a 2-1 loss. Once again... It was a question of dominating midfield, but showing the callowness in both areas that has prevented Barca from getting near the top of the table all season. Villarreal got an early goal on the break and subsequently dropped back to leave Barca to do all the running. And despite having almost all of possession, Barca didn't manage to create any decent chances until Montu banged one in from 25 yards in the 35th minute. The holding midfielder had already had a decent shot from range earlier, and the fact that Villarreal were playing so deep plus the number of men they were gathering behind their ball, meant that a hit from distance was always going to be one of Barca's best chances of scoring. Surprisingly, Oriol Busquets was left out of the starting lineup for the second game in a row. To be fair, we shouldn't get too upset with Pimi for this decision, as Oriol's replacement at the back of midfield was Montreux, who bossed the game for Barca. Perhaps the clubs decided to be extra cautious with Oriol in the wake of his knee injury. He had 45 minutes for the first team in the Supercopa de Catalunya in midweek, and so it could well be that his knee isn't up to two games in four days. All in all, it was a very good performance from Barca away against a second-place team in the group. The difference between playing against a fellow B-side and a team of more experienced players was clear. Barca were able to impose their style in a way that they sometimes aren't against more cynical players that are prepared to use the dark arts to disrupt the boys' flow. Yet the team weren't able to create any clear-cut goal-scoring opportunities, and in searching for them, left themselves open at the back. Both of Villarreal's goals came from the Yellow Submarine winning possession and quickly breaking forward, with the winner coming in the 77th minute after an incisive break cut through Barca's defence and left Simon free to slip the ball under Iñaki from inside the box. Still, there is no shame in going down away to a team in the top two 
and the performance was encouraging as we head into the final straight of the season. Off the pitch, and Sport are reporting that the club has made an offer of a contract extension to Barca B striker Rafa Mojica. The Barcelona-based newspaper reckoned that three La Liga clubs are following the Canarian centre-forward's contract situation, although Betis is the only one that is named. The article claims that Barca's initial offer has not impressed Mojica's entourage, but that both sides are keen to come to an agreement to keep the striker at the club for many more seasons. It also claims that the club is deliberating whether to renew Mojica and promote him to the first team next season, or send him on loan to a first division club, implying that he definitely won't be playing at Barca Bay next year. To be honest, sport seems, not for the first time, to be getting a little bit ahead of itself here. Mojica has grown into the season, but he's hardly set the world alight, having scored just five goals, three of them in the same game. Moreover, the January signing of Kevin Smith Bursang is a clear signal that the club does not have much faith in Mojica or Alderis, at least in the short term. What Mojica needs is another full season with Barca Bay, hopefully in Segunda, in which he scores 20 or more goals and bangs down the doors to the first team. Promoting him just for the sake of having youth team players in the first team runs the risk of thrusting him in too early to a level he's not ready for and burning him up. Mojica and his teammates will be in action again next weekend at the Mini Estadi for the big derby against Espanyol Bay, before hitting the road to face Club Deportivo Ebro the following week. All right, now I want to pivot to Champions League, and because the round of 16 in Champions League is half over, and the field isn't quite shaping up the way some would have thought, uh, Tottenham eliminated Borussia Dortmund, and the odds were in favor of that, but the remaining matches all involved a comeback from the first leg. Porto coming back from 2-1 to one to send Roma home, Manchester United scoring three in the Parc de Prince and knocking out PSG on away goals. And of course, the great pleasure of Ajax and Barcelona fans alike. Ajax come to the Bernabeu, down a goal, and score four to eliminate Real Madrid. And I looked this up. Real Madrid have not left the Champions League this early since the 2009-2010 tournament. And do you know who knocked them out? I don't. Maybe uh, Ajax. It was Lyon. Oh, Lyon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Conspiracy theory in the yeah. works. Yeah. I don't think Lyon's going to knock us out. But so we're going to be going into our second leg against Lyon this coming week. That scoreless draw in the first leg uh, makes it a clean slate. But what does Barcelona have to do differently in this match to stay on track in a word brian this is muy complicado or two words actually right? because <laughs> we just got news basically today that dembele is injured from last night's match i saw something about that he has some hamstring issues yes so that puts a monkey wrench in the plants because if he plays brian then i'm i'm i feel very confident that we'll have the goals and we'll pull through but if he doesn't it's going to be a very very tough match because that means Coutinho is going to start. Right. And that makes it super complicated because as we're going to talk about in our uh, Rio summary here about Coutinho's performance, but again, it's really about us, Brian, being ready to go, going fast, using the field, doing what we do, and we should be fine. But without Dembele, we're kind of limited because we're going to go back to the same thing that we did in the first half against Rio the match against Lyon, and that is messy dependence through the middle and hoping to get a goal from Suarez. Right. And well, I guess the other simpler answer would be just score some goals. Exactly. That's that is the simple answer, right? Yeah. 
I mean, if you look at that first leg, right? I mean, we we talked about this: twenty-five shots, five on target, which already yeah. is not a good ratio. It means that a lot of those shots were either poorly taken or low probability shots to begin with. And so that's already not good. But then when you get five on target, you want at least one to go in. Sure. So sure. score a goal. Score two goals. Yeah, I think, you know, the good thing that I think that happened, especially from the week that was with Manchester United knocking off Paris, Ajax knocking off uh, Real Madrid, and then, you know, Porto and Roma, is that I hope it was a wake-up call that they have to be extremely focused against Lyon and be on top of their game. If we're on top of their game, Lyon cannot touch us, right? I mean, we should be that superior. And I really hope with the rest and hopefully kind of using Rio's game last night as kind of the, you know, um, I don't know, scrimmage game before the Champions game that you're really focused on, that they're ready to go and they're focused seeing all these other teams get eliminated because now it is completely wide open once we advance for us to be the favorites to win the Champions. Yeah, I think so. I mean, the the rest of the field is on our end. You know, there are still some some pretty good sides in there. You know, the uh, Man City is sure. still in the running for sure. Uh, Juventus, Atletico. I would I would go with Atletico there. Me too. Uh, Bayern and Liverpool, both pretty strong. Maybe Liverpool would be the stronger, but they're also going in on a on a scoreless draw from the first leg. And so I think you know there are definitely still some some good teams but yeah if we get through this round i think we would definitely be among among the favorites yeah i would agree i would say if we get through and everything kind of i would say uh the tough one i would say to predict right now is the Bayern liverpool one because i can go either way but let's just say for argument's sake it's liverpool and i'd like to go go through then i definitely think we are the top or the favorites along with manchester city yeah oh man city yeah man city barcelona final under peps man city that would be a good game I would be very scared, or sure. even a semifinal. <laughs> yeah, quarters. Yeah. Either way, but see, I would prefer I would prefer facing Man City in a home and away place because at least it gives you more options. Right. You know, in a one game off, oof, that is that is anything can go. You know, exactly. And anyone would know, especially man, you know how he's developed Man City through the years, how to bottle up Messi, and what we would do from that. You know, that's why you know. Dembele is so important for us because when he plays on the right, Brian, I don't know if you've seen in the last three weeks, we score goals. Yes, exactly. We do score goals. It was, and I think a lot of it also has to do with, uh, particularly when Semedo is at right back, they have this this really nice connection now that, for instance, Sergio Roberto doesn't have with Dembele on the right. Uh, you know, we saw it on Saturday, you know, Semedo sending Dembele downfield with a nice long ball that he knows he can get to and vice versa. Semedo making those runs in and and Dembele playing him in with the through ball. A lot of a really nice connection between those two. But with him injured, we're not going to have any of that. Exactly. I mean, the good. I mean, it's good to see that partnership develop even more because as we talked about through the season, in the beginning of the season, it was very touchy, right? It was not working. A lot of offsides calls, but now it's really working. It's clicking. And the speed that they both have. I mean, you saw with Semedo's move down the corner, how he's able to now, he's starting to implement the Dembele move, the cutback, you know? Right. And that is starting to add another role, um, a wrinkle, another wrinkle into his arsenal of attacking now. And that's couple times against Rio um, he was able to break free and so yeah like you said they're starting to develop a nice kind of relationship there but again you know when Valverde chooses not to have Dembele or Malcolm let's say on that right side we are very predictable and I'm, I'm I'm really kind of nervous about this especially with the injury that I know Valverde is going to go with Coutinho 
we may be bottled up in the first half. And I really hope he's open to making those changes at halftime, you know, making those sooner than later. Yes. And I think that's actually a really good opportunity to pivot and just uh, start drilling down into the Rayo Vallecano match. So Rayo Vallecano came to the Camp Nou in 19th place on Saturday. A team battling against relegation can always be a dangerous team, and Rayo did in fact show their teeth. Raul de Tomas put them on the board first when a counter found him running up on Piquet and Semedo, and when he got Semedo wrong-footed, he took the opportunity to slot a nice finish past Ter Stegen in the 24th minute. Barcelona kept cool, though, and equalized 14 minutes later on a headed goal from Piquet off of an exquisite ball in from Messi on a free kick. Two more came in the second half. Messi put away a penalty kick, and Luis Suarez scored in the primo football play of the game. But to begin, the starting lineup definitely had some overtones of saving players for Lyon. So going into this match, Brian, what would you, if you were the manager, what would you have done? Would you have gone your strongest pure 11 for the first half, or would you have more subbed those players using the bench more? What would would have been your kind of your opinion on this? I would have started with uh, a weaker starting lineup, but with my my heavy guns on the bench. Interesting. Mainly See, just think, because of Leon coming. But yeah, yeah, just off the top of my head, that's what I would have done. Okay, so I would have done the opposite. I think I think I would have gone with strongest eleven with Dembele starting Rakitic, get that momentum, get three goals, and then make those sub at halftime. Right. Ah, yes. As a, you know, as opposed to, you know, I have here Vidal again. He is a good second half player, but for him to play more than 65 minutes for us in midfield just cannot happen. And you see, you know, Ernesto Valverde was praising him after the match. He had a great match. And it's, I didn't see that. You know, for me, he just doesn't do enough, right? Yes, he made some good tackles. Yes, he had good, good passing accuracy. But how many times did his you know, through balls or his ability to see the play develop, help us and attack. It didn't. And again, it was the same thing, Brian, with this attacking of messy middle going left. How many times did he was surrounded by three players? Right. A lot of times. And as far as the Vidal thing goes, I mean, I think Vidal actually did have a very good match for what he is out there to do. Um, I, I think that his, his role is to do exactly what he was doing in this match. Now we could, we could talk about whether that's some a role that we want filled. Uh, Valverde certainly does, mm. I think. You know, someone who's going to go out there and, and just recover the ball, who's going to get in guys' faces, who's going to use his strength, who's going to use his physicality to, well, not quite dominate, but assert a certain kind of domination over the midfield and to potentially draw players away, but he's he's not there for those great through balls. He's not there for, to to put crosses in, clearly. Uh, and if he is, then, yeah, he had a terrible game. But if he's there to make tackles and if he's there to you know, clip at the heels of the opposing players, then, yeah, he did have a good game. I, I mean, I agree with that, but at the same time, I just feel that you're kind of making a statement with the lineup and the attitude of the first half, right? The first half was very malaise, you know, for the most part. I mean, we did have opportunities. We were knocking on the door, but overall, I mean, 
your body language, you know, the body language they were portraying, just, it seemed as though they didn't want to get hurt, right? They didn't want to, they didn't want to do too much to overextend themselves. And I think that's kind of the wrong attitude to have because I think that's where more bad things are going to happen. Now, I wish Dembele would have started. I wish Rakitic would have started. And I really wish, especially if we would have used that right side, gone up three goals and then make those subs. We make a Malcolm sub. We put Vidal. Then I'm completely happy with that because you have something on video that you can say, look, we rode this momentum. We ran Rio out of the first half and we're good to go. We're ready for Lyon. And I would have more confidence. Now, he did make second half adjustments and we did win the game. So that is good because we keep Atletico at bay. But just for me, I just, I would treat this almost as a, in like, for example, in the in NFL for the third preseason match, you play all your starters for the first half and then you make those changes because you want to get some momentum going into the next match. Right. Go out hard, get something to bank, bank it, and then make some changes. Exactly. You know, and I, and this match, for example, I would have loved to see Malcolm get 45 plus. And, yeah, know? instead of the five that he got. <laughs> exactly. And also, <laughs> I just, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this, you know, in a second, but just the Coutinho de- and, you know, debate. I mean, what are we going to do with this guy? Well, I guess the argument is that you got to just keep playing him and hope that he finds his form. But I mean, how many other players have this type of opportunity where they keep rolling out, he keeps starting? And Brian, you know, I was reading on Twitter and, and other articles that are saying that he's not able to do his move, right? And I told you, I think one of the reasons he's not able to get his move is because Messi's in the way, right? Right? Because Messi's drawing that. So why not put Coutinho on the right side? Sure. You know? He's also good on the right. He is good on the right, and it'll give him more space. I mean, I know he won't be able to do his patented move, but at least maybe have more teeth in his attack because Brian, how many times did he pass the ball where you're like, wow, great pass, Coutinho. <laughs> it's just like it was just back passing, you know, and he wasn't really doing anything. And and I guess for me the biggest problem is, you know, how much money we spent him. And also Valverde has not been able to get the best out of not even anything out of him and figuring out what to do with him. You know, it's obviously clear that we need someone on the right side. So try putting Coutinho more on the right side, especially when Dembele's hurt now. Yeah, and considering that we know Coutinho has quality, we know he's a very good player and he's inventive and he has this potential. So if you just put him in a place where he's not going to be in Messi's way and Messi's not going to be in his way, with Dembele unavailable, why not? Exactly, why not? And that's what they should have tried to do in this Rio match, you know, trying to get him for other matches on the right side. Because again, Brian, if he's on the right side, he's going to have less defenders in front of him where he can take that defender 1v1. You know, having him link up with Semedo could work, you know, but they have to practice that. Now, having everyone on the left side again, Alba, Coutinho, Suarez, you know, always shading that side of the Messi, you're just bringing the defense there. Now, remember, when Dembele comes in the second half, obviously you see what happens. We score two goals, we open it up. Rio doesn't know where to focus and now Messi can run free. I mean, that is the key to winning these really important matches. But like, why don't we just start off with that? Right. <laughs> I mean, I want to win for nothing and just make it easy. Why do we have to make it so stressful? I don't understand Valverde's ideas with this. Right. Well, yeah. Well, you, what's with all the suspense? Just get to it. <laughs> exactly. Stop exactly. holding out on us. Yeah. And also when we are on the right, we play more primo. Right. And that's what we love to see. We want to see these passing, these combos, the back and forth going from left to right. That's what makes us fall in love with Barca football. And I just feel like 
he's so stubborn in what he wants to do. He, I think he thinks that in the other formation, we're more defensively sound. But if we're winning 4 nothing, we score 3 nothing, we can just play in front of us and we don't have to worry about the other team. Right. A good defense is a strong offense. Correct. Who said that? Uh, I don't know. Michael Jordan or something? Many know. people. Many. <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people are saying that, uh, <laughs> that, a, that a good defense is a strong offense. Also, you know, I think Dembele can also be accredited for helping with the penalty as well because it was Samedo who got taken down. But again, he was there because of all those great runs he was making and through balls that Dembele was passing to him. I logged three in my notes, 50th minute, 53rd minute, 62nd minute, same run, same pass. And every time it worked again, because it's spread thin. I mean, that is the thing, right? They don't, Rio doesn't have a person back there that can match up with the speed of Semedo or Dembele because they're so hyper-focused on Messi and Suarez, right? So now all of a sudden they're like, oh my gosh, we're playing on that side. We got to figure that out. And that opened up the other side and it just makes it easier for everyone. That's why I just don't understand. Work smarter, not harder. <laughs> right. And you know, you, you still have Alba bombing in on the left doing wing winger duty. So exactly. you have the left side covered. I just don't get it. I mean, we see it time and time again. Just think about all the last games, you know, where we were at a stalemate. Dembele comes on the right, and all of a sudden we have clear opportunities, right? Clear scoring opportunities where the defense is spread thin, and we actually score. I mean, the third goal was a thing of beauty, which is tic-tac-toe going back and forth. Ryo didn't know where to go. They didn't know if to, to slide tackle, to stand up, to jump there. And then we scored the goal and it was just a really nice goal. And, and that's because of the spacing. I mean, you can clearly see that Messi occupies two guys. He takes them away. But if you're playing on the right side, then Suarez gets free. I mean, you saw Suarez on that run. He All he had to do was a tap it. And it, that's not asking much for a number nine. Right. And Rakitic was the one running into the box to make the final assist as well. And if you, if, if that were Coutinho making that run on the right side, I think it would have worked out more or less the same. It's a good point. Maybe. Good point. I don't know. I mean, I, no, Rak- I, I, Rakitic I, I, is maybe a little more selfless than Coutinho. That is true. But also just the idea of just completing that run and taking that run, I think Coutinho would do the same thing. And again, it's just why are we trying to reinvent this? There's no, <laughs> there's no purpose for this. You know, this is you see what's clearly working and especially when we are doing that we just we are we are dancing out there with the ball we looked more electric right and also rio couldn't do anything on the counter because they could not get the ball from us because we were spreading it through balance and so forth again i i just you know especially we talked last episode about the hub clearly they should be able to use the gps and just see the the defense spread through you know spread out and just seeing all the clear opportunities we get when we attack on the right yeah come on hub innovate (laughs) (laughs) now the Dembele injury I mean it was good that Dembele came in at the beginning of the second half because it's it showed that Valverde recognized he needed to make some kind of a change he made the change early rather than waiting until the 60th minute the 65th minute to make a change but I was a little disappointed that it was Arthur who he came on for yeah, I totally agree. But do you think that maybe him sitting down for that long contributed to this injury? You know, I will never know. But, you know, we know that Dembele has a history of hamstring problems, you know, especially he's a sprinter, right? So he's going to have this problem. Again, like I said, Brian, I would just prefer to start him and let him go and then sub him at halftime and switch him for Malcolm. He is, as we've seen all through the last four months, he is our most impactful player when he's on there. 
he makes a huge difference. And now, you know, what they were saying in the news is that most likely he's going to sit out against Leon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's because it's a it's a genuine injury. It's not just uh, a little bit of. Uh, yeah. I don't know. A bad feeling. No, no, it's 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 a hamstring strain. It's a fir- it's a first degree, right? So a first grade hamstring strain. So it's obviously something that's that they took the test. It's been evaluated. It's been confirmed. So it's not just like a knock. He could play. Like it's it's not a. An, but again, you don't want to. He's been out three months already, basically with the same type of injury. So you don't want a chance, especially for the last push that we have. So I can definitely see us be more conservative on this side, sitting him down. But again, that just means Coutinho, and we're going to be on the left side again. With this, we're going to see the first half against Rio against Leon. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, a, a, a stronger team than Rio, by the way. Yes, exactly, and they're going to have their best players in there as well. So sure they are. Yeah, yeah. I think that sitting down. Well, I don't think that Dembele was uh, anticipating that he would play, or if he did, it wouldn't be until later. And I don't. I didn't see any footage of him warming up at all during the first half so they might have just sprung it on him and it was maybe maybe a bad call on well ultimately Valverde's part because if he's not properly warmed up and he goes out there and he does some of the runs that he was that he was making it's not uncommon that you would strain your hamstring exactly and and the other thing too is I just I just think the the theory of what Valverde tried to do this match I think is the wrong way to go you know, fortunately for us, Brian, we do have great players and we were able to turn around because, you know, Atletico won earlier. So they got the three points and we still need to keep them at bay with this seven point lead. Again, you know, one of those things that's really great about our team is that we're able to come back very often. And we've done that, I think, six times or five times this season where the other team has scored first and we've come back to win. Yeah, that seems to be sort of a, a pattern for us this year. But this was also a uh, somewhat, there was a little bit of history that got made. Messi broke yet another record. He became the second all-time leader in La Liga appearances before this match. He was tied with Andres Iniesta with 442, and now he's at 443. I mean, he's going to shatter this record because the, the leader is Xavi with 503. So that's just one season, essentially. But uh, again, what can you say? The consistency, not only of Iniesta and Xavi, but obviously Messi just throughout the years for La Liga I mean, it's really impressive. I mean, he's going to have basically every record when it's done. It's, yeah. it's going to be incredible. Yeah, he's absolutely going to shatter that record. I, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Also, this is peripheral, but do you know which player has played the most minutes for Barcelona this season? Interesting. I would go, my first guy would be Rakitic. Right, you would think that because we've been harping on so much yeah. about how he's just been getting kind of overplayed and he's actually the uh fifth highest minute wow. minute holder okay in the season overall at the top is Gerard Piquet out of their Jeez. 42 games he's made 39 appearances and played all 90 minutes he's played a total of 3330 minutes and i think it's doing him well because lately he has just been playing out of his mind defensively especially but now in this game he puts it in the net completely unmarked running into the box beautiful ball in from Messi heads it into goal PK is having a banner year right now definitely I think he's I think he would be the defender of the year for La Liga for sure because of what he's done and as we've talked about we think he has been the best player for Barca consistency wise for the whole month of March 
or for the whole month of February, that was so difficult for us. He was the, you know, he was steadfast back there. He led the defense with Ter Stegen and Longley, but I mean, he has been masterclass, like you said. And we, I personally did not expect that. I definitely thought he was going to have some lapses just because of his age, but we've needed him because of the Umtiti injury. And also, obviously, Vermalin, who's always hurt. Right. <laughs> Sorry to laugh about that, but <laughs> um, but PK has been super steady, and again, he's right of the ship, and he is so experienced. You know, he knows, he's seen it all, basically. You know, he's seen it all, and so he's so smart in defending. And again, in that goal, which is a really nice goal, he was completely open, unmarked. It was a nice little play that they ran they kind of almost did like a basketball screen and kind of go type of thing and it was a great a great ball by Messi and PK hammered it home so again I would say all in all PK has been our best player consistency wise from you know from January from the break until now yeah and looking ahead you know we're 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 pretty preoccupied right now uh thinking about the midweek Champions League match with Lyon but next weekend in La Liga we go up against Real Betis, which is always fun. So we're we're playing them next Sunday. So we'll get a little bit of a break. You know, we got the game on Wednesday with Lyon. So then got a few days off of rest before playing against Betis. And, you know, Betis have, they've had sort of mixed results the last few games. Couple wins, couple losses, a draw. Yeah, that should be. And they're playing at Sevilla as well, I believe. So, right. Um, yeah. And they played the, they only play three defensive backs. And so they're completely wide open. And especially at home, they're even more open. <laughs> yeah. So, they'll just run after it. <laughs> so remember earlier in the season in November, they did beat us four to three, but they, they basically ran us out of the park. I mean, we were chasing the game from the, from the first minute on. So it's going to be even more difficult in Sevilla, especially with the fans that they have. Uh, they've, like you said, they've had some unlucky runs. They just got knocked out of Europa League. Um, you know, the, the coach has been a little bit um, under the microscope over there because they demand more f- from the, the team, especially with the style that they're playing. So, again, it's going to be a tough match. But, again, all eyes are focused on Wednesday. We need to get that win and push through because I think the, the Champions League draw is on the, that Friday. So we'll know, too, who we're playing and the dates as well. Yeah, so it won't be easy against Betis, but first things first, Champions League. And we'll be talking about both of those next Monday. Thanks to Max Bluer today. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson. Editing and music by Brian Henderson. Social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Help send a deserving young player to Barcelona soccer camp this summer in Houston and support the show through Patreon at barsatalk.net. Until next time, Visca Barca. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.